I asked this individual to come on. His name's Dakota Rudisell. You know, if you're a frequent, frequent listener of this show, you know that we get Dakota on every now and then. He's an associate professor of law at Ohio State University, or the Ohio State University. Dakota, I'm sorry about that. And he specializes in legislation and national security law and policy. This man has worked in the highest chambers in D.C., so he knows the players. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get him on. Dakota, good to have you back on News and Views. Always great to be here. Want to, want to talk a little bit about the legalities because we talked about the National Guard at the southern border. Uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, national law in terms of state law versus how we deal with border issues. I mean, th- this thing is heating up. The Senate Republicans have a piece of legislation that they want to pass that that will help our border security. The House Republicans don't even want to hear about it. So, I mean, where are we with how this country is dealing with all of this on a legal standpoint, Dakota? Yeah, well, really interesting uh, basket of issues. I'll just make a couple quick points and uh, uh, we'll kind of go from there. So, I mean, to my bottom line take is that, you know, we're, lots of people are saying this is a constitutional crisis. Um, I don't think it's much of a legal constitutional crisis, but I think it's, it's actually a civic culture crisis. And so I'll explain what I mean. So first, going back to the Constitution, the Constitution clearly commits immigration and foreign affairs and therefore the border to the federal government. There's no question to that. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution says Congress has the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization, which means Congress can control the entire question of immigration. Um, and the federal government gets foreign affairs and war powers under the Constitution with a really, really narrow exception. I'll, I'll just mention in just a second. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a federal responsibility. Second point that's so important in the context we have here, which is <clears throat> that, the, that, that a state is uh, putting uh, razor wire in the river in violation of a federal statute and is not allowing federal forces uh, to go in and do their work um, uh, on the border in execution of federal responsibilities, right? So you've got a state, you know, defying the federal government in that sense. What I think that people should understand, and I really haven't seen much discussion of this out there, which is unfortunate, is this, that the president of the United States can take away with a stroke of his pen any troops that Texas is trying to put between uh, uh, you know, trying to use to impede federal access to the border region. Uh, the Constitution clearly gives Congress basically complete control over what the Constitution calls the militia. Uh, today, the professionalized, organized militia is the National Guard. Congress has given the president the power to federalize any National Guard forces at any time. So the president can just take away those, those Texas National Guard troops and put them on federal duty and order them to disperse, to stand down. Lots of precedents for this during the civil rights era when states were defying uh, uh, integration orders. Um, and so, you know, the president can just take Texas's troops away. So far, President Biden hasn't done that because I think that would, you know, just kind of escalate the situation, but no question at all legally. And the third point I'd make, and I'll just hit this briefly and we can go into it more if you'd like, is that we're seeing this some kind of extreme states' rights arguments. And I think it's all, you know, really, really, really pushing the Constitution and, you know, just kind of unnecessary. So 
what we're hearing, we've heard a number of people, Congressman Chip Roy from Texas, um, you know, saying, you know, they should just ignore the, the, the Supreme Court's decision last week um, saying that uh, uh, Texas needs to follow uh, uh, the decision of a lower court, uh, which says their arguments are junk. Um, and, you know, here you have a U.S. congressman from Texas saying ignore the Supreme Court. Uh, talk about defiance of the rule of law. And so far, the state of Texas has not complied um, with the federal government's now efforts approved by uh, the Supreme Court. And we're also hearing this extreme argument about this really kind of obscure provision of the Constitution. I thought I was the only person in America who actually had read this thing, and, and I actually teach it to my students. But so it's this little corner, if you're following along at home, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the Constitution. It says, States can't engage in foreign affairs, um, they can't have troops or ships in times of peace, and they can't in, states can't engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So it's this narrow exception for an actual invasion of a state, and there's just no you know, time to delay and wait for you know, the federal government to swoop in. Um, the problem is Texas is, is saying that, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, the migrants coming over the border, this is an invasion, and, you know, therefore they can just act and displace federal forces. Well, first of all, James Madison was clear. Invasion is an operation of war. That's what he said, war, right? And, you know, however you feel about, you know, immigration and reasonable people can disagree and, you know, the very serious problems at the border, right? You know, this isn't a war. <laughs> pretty clearly. Second, what Texas is doing in response in putting wire in a river, that they're not war. Texas isn't engaging in war. So I, I, I think that they're just going to have really, really rough sledding. And the unfortunate thing is that, you know, in, you know, all this rhetoric about, you know, war and, you know, and all this, you know, the pattern of kind of, you know, defiant statements against the federal government, keeping federal, you know, federal agents out and whatnot, it's just ramping up all the extremism in the country. And, you know, that's not a good thing for our country. And it's also distracting away from our Constitution's design, which is, again, immigration and the border are federal matters. And what, what should be happening is that Democrats and Republicans in Congress should come together and pass a bill to improve the situation at the border. Uh, President Biden says he's willing to sign something that has really significant restrictions on immigration and border and then border enhancement. They should do their work. This is all just a ridiculous distraction. So what happens if they don't? And, and by don't, I mean, what happens if Texas takes the advice of one of its congressmen uh, and, and certainly one would argue a, a rogue governor and just says, to heck with you. We're not going to do that. We're going to do whatever we want. What what action then? You mentioned earlier that that the 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 president could take over the Texas National Guard. In fact, yep. some would argue he's already in charge of the National Guard. It's I've always wondered how it's interesting how the the states can actually control what they think is their own military. But you know, my my question is this: What happens if Texas doesn't do it? What happens if they don't adhere to it? Yeah, well, it's it's really really clear. So, um, so under uh, under our legal framework, the National Guard, as a default, is on state duty, um, and the governor is the commander in chief of the National Guard. Uh, but the Constitution's text and the statutes dating to the founding make completely clear that 
the president can at any point federalize the National Guard, which means they are now under the president's command and no longer under the authority of their governors. And there have been numerous instances in U.S. history where there's been a state and a governor who are, who are defying federal authority. Um, so, so, for example, during the civil rights era, uh, presidents that were both Democrats and Republicans federalized National Guard forces in the South where segregationist governors were in defiance of Supreme Court and other court orders calling for racial integration of schools. You might remember George, George Wallace, Wallace you know, yeah. standing in the door of a yeah, standing in the door of a schoolhouse, not letting, you know, little black kids in. And um, so what happened was that you know, Eisenhower, Kennedy, and Johnson, they all federalized those National Guards in the South when they needed to. Um, and put them on federal duty and ordered them to either just go home or to assist actually with the integration um, and compliance with court orders, right? I mean, there's no question about this. So if it just, if it continues to escalate, you know, President Biden can just get out his pen and, you know, those Texas Guard forces are now working for him. Yeah. I, I mean, from, from that standpoint, though, I mean, I have a tough time or a hard time imagining Biden doing it. I mean, that without and what's going to be interesting is if this if this piece of legislation that Senate Republicans have negotiated out, if the House Republicans won't allow this to be heard or to move forward, how does that play into it? And and so think about that, Dakota. I'm I'm really curious. We're fortunate to have Dakota Rudisell with us. He is with the Ohio State University uh, School of Law, with the Mort School of Law. He's an associate professor. We're talking about the legalities of what could happen at the border if a state defies the federal government. And Dakota, what I'm asking is, if you're Joe Biden, clearly, as you pointed out, he has the constitutional authority to, to basically take over the National Guard and say you're not using the National Guard for this. But what, in fact, do you think, and now this is getting into conjecture, but what do you think happens here? Yeah, I don't know. It's a really interesting situation, and it only seems to be escalating with, uh, you know, these these statements by, you know, the governor and Congressman Chip Roy in Texas. And I was really sad to see that the Republican governors put out a statement uh, yesterday supporting uh, Governor Abbott in Texas um, because he's and they didn't dive into the details of it, thankfully, on this on this really kind of wild constitutional argument. Um, but, you know, it's just really, really unfortunate because, you know, as I was saying, the Constitution's design is really clear that it leaves matters of immigration, foreign affairs, the border to the federal government. That's our constitutional design. And that's where should the focus should be right now. Um, you know, I think that Biden, you know, I think that if this defiance continues much longer, I think that Biden should just federalize the Texas National Guard. And order those troops who are obstructing federal agents home. Just order them home, right? Um, just say, okay, we're just done with this silliness. And then what we should do is have focus in Congress, Democrats and Republicans working together. Um, there's a bipartisan deal being put together in the Senate. Uh, the president, again, has said he's willing to sign something that has really significant restrictions on immigration, expansion of capacity to deal with um, you know, the migrants who are already here, expansion of capacity to, you know, secure the border. Uh, you know, Senator Mitch McConnell, Republican leader, has said this is this is the best opportunity uh, to actually get, you know, to improve federal law and policy on the border. Um, 
And unfortunately, you know, former President Trump is now saying, well, you know, hey, Senate Republicans don't allow anything to happen so I can do something perfect. Well, so what do you say? We're in January. He wouldn't be inaugurated until next. He's saying don't do anything for a year. Um, so much for this being some sort of emergency. You know, how do you say don't do anything for a year and then claim, well, it's an emergency? It just, you know, it's, 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 it's politics. And I think that, you know, really, you know, the focus, again, should be on just Congress on a bipartisan basis, you know, doing the things that really large percentages, you know, majorities of Americans wish support, which is to, you know, improve the quality of border security, improve the speed and the fairness of adjudication of, you know, claims by the migrants who are here, things like that. Well, and, and you and I both know for a lot of things in the Senate, it takes 60 votes, but apparently there's 60 votes. Yeah. Even North Dakota's yeah. Congressman Kevin Kramer has come out in favor of this legislation moving forward in the Senate basically doing something. Now, that being said, on the House side, when when you, you know, you're hearing this complaint dead on arrival, dead on arrival, we don't know what's in it. We don't know what's in it. Number one, how do those two go together? I mean, how do you say something is dead on arrival and then turn around and say you don't know what's in it? I, I don't get it unless, of course, this man that you idealize tells you don't do anything or else. And that's what appears to be happening here. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, I think the House Speaker, I think that's a bunch of bluster from him, honestly. You know, and he's trying to curry favor with Trump, plainly, because, um, you know, any day he could lose loses office speaker, you know, the speaker of the House, because the Republican majority is so razor thin. You know, look, I mean, all that has to happen is, you know, more than five Republican congressmen need to decide, hey, let's actually do something to improve circumstances. Um, and, you know, at that point, you've got a majority in the House. The House operates on on simple majority, right? So you have a number of Republicans who decide to get behind a bipartisan deal in the House, you can get it through the House. Over on the Senate side, like you say, it looks like they've got 60 votes, which means they can shut down a filibuster in the Senate. So we might actually doing something, uh, be able to do something here. And, and I'd say in contrast, you know, and Trump's floated this idea and some other Republicans like, OK, wait until the next election. The Republicans will be in charge of the White House, both chambers of Congress. Then we'll do something perfect. Nobody is predicting that the Republicans are going to get a supermajority in the Senate that allows them to, you know, to overcome filibusters. Um, and in fact, in the last 48 years, there's only been a year and a half where you had a president and a House and the Senate of the same party and a 60-vote majority yeah. in the Senate. Yep. You know, Dakota, so if, you're, if you're waiting for that, you're going to wait forever. Yeah. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it, Dakota. Anytime. You bet.